Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Good morning. Good to see you today. Glad you're all here. Help me out. Would you turn to someone if they're near you? Just turn over and say, hey, glad you're here today. Do that. Would you just uh, welcome them? Always make sure. I'm glad you're here. Pastor Dan, I was reminded it's a lot more fun to speak when there are people in the room. So anyway, we're glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, would you take them and turn to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, kind of an important passage for me. Uh, it actually was, I, I graduated from college. We uh, packed up our uh, U-Haul, or it wasn't U-Haul, it was a rider truck. Drove all the way to Napanee, Indiana. I was going to start our new church the next day. I gave myself a two-day break and uh, pulled into the, the, the house and the farm just early enough for us to get to church service. I think we got there about five minutes early. I walk in and uh, the, the associate pastor comes up to me and said, Phil, we're so glad you're here tonight. Did uh, Dave let you know you're preaching tonight? And I said, oh, no. I said, no, we're not. He goes, no, seriously, he didn't call you? I go, no, I don't even have my Bible with me. And he goes, nope, you're on for tonight. And so I sat down, I took the pew Bible, started to just go, go like this little thing. And uh, during while they were singing, Tammy leans over to me and she says, should I be nervous yet? <laughs> I said, yeah, you should, because you're my opening illustration. That's what she said. But anyway, God led me to this passage, Joshua chapter 3. Actually, verse 5 was the verse I, I shared that night. And it's meant so much to me ever since then. Today's message is called God's Launchpad for the Amazing. And we were sitting in our creative arts meeting, oh, a month or so ago. And Pastor Dan says, oh, are you going to show that video? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, it's this video. And he sent, and this is what he sent me. If I just believe it, there's nothing to it. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch. Oh, man, that's Pastor Phil on the launch pad right there. And by the way, there's a lesson. Just because you believe you can fly doesn't mean you can. You know? But anyway, when I saw that, I just started laughing. I go, no, that's called a God's failure to launch plan. And uh, sometimes that happens. There was a movie... Um, several years ago and it was uh, with Matthew McConaughey he's the guy from the Buick commercial uh, and Terry Bradshaw was in it I don't remember who else was in it but um, it, it was a, a 35 year old guy who was living with his parents no judgment he was living with his parents and his parents wanted him out of the house and uh, so that whole movie was on him getting out of the house and such by the way Last hour, there's a, a lady who was here, second cousins to Matthew McConaughey, because she taught me how to say his last name. And uh, so you know who you are, but that was kind of cool. And uh, can you get me a deal on a Buick? That's really what I want to know. But, but it's funny because this whole idea, sometimes we just are, there's a failure to launch, spiritually. 
Spiritually, God wants us to launch out, do something different, into something new, whatever it is in our life. It can be a health issue, it can be a career issue, a ministry issue. And sometimes we just simply don't launch. And, and it struck me, sometimes we don't launch because we're afraid, right? We just, we're afraid to launch. We're, we don't want to, we're kind of scared. We don't know what's out there. We don't have a clue. Sometimes it's just because we're comfortable, right? We, we like where we are. We don't want to launch out from where we are. I heard this this last week. How many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? Zero. Christians don't like change. <laughs> That was funny. If Dan was listening, he'd know that's funny. But that was a good one. You gotta get me on that one next time. I got a whole list of those. Um, sometimes we don't launch because we're 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 afraid of failure. What if I fail? I'm not going to launch into something different. What if what if I fail? Years ago, by the way, I don't like to fail. But years ago, I heard a guy say. And it always helped me. He said, if you, if you, he says, everybody fails. If you're a leader, you're going to fail. He says, just make sure you fail forward. That always helped me. It helped me to realize not everything's going to work, but that's okay. You learn from those, those failures. You, you, you're going to learn more from the failures than you do a lot of times the successes. And so sometimes we don't because we just don't want to fail. I think a lot of times it's just because it's so uncertain. We don't know what we're getting into, and we don't like uncertainty in our lives and that's kind of where the Israelites found themselves in Joshua chapter 3 now a few weeks ago I did a message I think it was on Caleb and I gave you a little bit of the history of the Israelite people but the Israelite people at this particular stage are on the verge of stepping into the land that God had promised them they had been here before 40 years earlier but they weren't the same people the people that were here 40 years earlier were actually their parents. They all had passed away. Most of these that were standing on the bank today, this was a whole generation that had been born in the wilderness. They were children either when they left Egypt or they had been born in the wilderness territory over the last 40 years. But most of them didn't want to go back to Egypt. They didn't know Egypt. And so they're standing on the precipice of what God had for them. And they wanted to be there. They wanted to be there. But there was still some of those, those feelings of fear of the unknown. And it's interesting what Joshua says to them. It, it's really powerful and he says it through Joshua, but it's God speaking to them. Here's what it says, verse 2. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, who are the Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Think about that. You've never been this way before. Some of you are empty nesters. First time. Never been this way before. Some of you, many of our college students have already gone back to college, but some of you are getting ready to go to college and you've never been this way before. It's a new territory. Something new. Some of you have children for the first time, right? You've just had children come into your life. Uh, you've never been this way before. Some of you are about to become parents of teenagers. Oh, man. We have an anointing service for you, just for you, right? Never been this way before. 
Some of you are facing some health needs. Some of you are facing relational challenges. Some of you sense God is calling you into a local ministry. Some of you sense God is calling you into a foreign ministry. Some, you've never been this way before. He says, you've never been this way before, but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now it's interesting because last May, this passage has spoken to me over the years. Man, it's been almost 30 years now when I discovered this passage. But back in May, I was asked to speak at a sister church. And they were doing a campaign and they're getting ready to, to launch into a, actually they're, they're almost completed now with their new building project. And, and I was asked to speak in an event and so God took me to this passage, and I, for the first time, I saw kind of a connection, some things I had not seen before when we we're waiting to launch into God's amazing. The first thing that I notice in this passage is that if you're stepping into an area that you've never been before, just keep following God's promises. He says, I want you to follow the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, the word covenant, is a word that means a promise. Uh, in fact, very quickly, covenant, generally speaking, is an agreement made between two people that is witnessed by a third, and most often in Scripture, the third person who bears witness is God. Uh, Tim, you and I, we make a promise to one another. We ask Dan to be the bearer or the witness of it. That means if you and I break the relationship or break the agreement, it's only broken if Dan signs off. Um, when God is the witness, there's a great example in marriage. Marriage is called a covenant relationship. So when a husband and a wife say yes to each other and God is the witness, is he bears witness to that, technically speaking, God says this marriage isn't over until I say it's over. That's a powerful, powerful word. It is a promise that is witnessed by a third. He says, I want you to follow the ark of the covenant of God when you move out from your positions. Now, why is this significant? Well, I began to focus in on this a little bit, and I thought, what's the significance of the ark? Now, how many of you happen to see uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Any of you see that, right? Harrison Ford. I heard there's going to be a new one. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I loved Harrison Ford in that movie, and the Ark of the Covenant at least was somewhat similar to what the Ark of the Covenant would have been. The Ark was supposed to be around 52 inches long, would have been around 31 to 32 inches wide, would have been about 30 inches or so high. Um, it was essentially a box with a lid on it, very ornate. It was covered and layered in gold. And then they would carry it with, with uh, rods that were of a, a staff that was of a, a particular length. And I offhand, I can't remember how long that was. Harrison Ford believed, as Indiana Jones, he believed that, that uh, the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant had supernatural power. That's not too far off. It certainly, it certainly had consequences if you touched it as an Israelite. But it's interesting what's in the ark. Now, there are a number of scriptures that tell us what was in the ark of the covenant, but the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 9 
that the Ark of the Covenant was layered in gold and the Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant or the Ten Commandments. Now, what's significant about those items? Well, the gold jar of manna was significant because it, it was a promise of God's daily provision and his daily grace. God promised that he'd provide for them. Now, if you don't know the story of manna, I gave you some background scriptures. But when the Israelites came out of Egypt, came into this, this wilderness area, they began to need food, and God provided them food. And one of the ways that God provided them food was by sending manna from heaven. Jesus, interestingly, calls himself the bread that has come down from heaven. He is the bread of life, and so he equates himself with the manna of God. There is tremendous symbolism of that, by the way. But when you describe it, it's kind of like a, a light flaky bread. I like to say it's heavenly cornflakes, but probably not. Uh, but it's just kind of this idea that every morning when they would wake up, God said, I promise you, go out and gather enough for the day. Now, don't gather enough for tomorrow. Gather enough for today because I'm going to show up tomorrow too. Unless it happens to be the day before the Sabbath, if, you, if it's the day before the Sabbath, then you need to, to do enough for two days because you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And God showed up every day. And every day they would get out, every day they would go outside their tents, and every day there'd be that manna. It was a reminder that God said, I promise I'm going to provide what you need today. It is a picture of my daily grace. By the way, what a great promise for us, right? God says, I promise I'll provide for you today. I'll provide the grace necessary today. Just follow the covenant. The second thing that's in there is Aaron's staff, which budded. Now, there's a story behind that. Number 17, I believe, is where you can find that story if you want to go back and read on it. But essentially what was happening is Aaron was a representative of the priesthood and the Levites. And people were starting to get a little frustrated. Why does Aaron think he's got the corner on a relationship with God? We ought to be able to be priests too. And so they took the staffs that represented each of the tribes. They put them into a tent overnight. The next day they go in and Aaron's staff had actually sprung to life. It budded and it began to produce. And it was an evidence of God's power and also God's, God's promise to lead through the Levites, through the Aaronic high priesthood. That's why he says that he says when you see the Ark of the Covenant being carried by the Levites, right? It was, it was God's promise to provide leadership and to guide them. And then the third item that was in there was the Ten Commandments, which was what? It was God's reminder of how important it was for God's people to be obedient to him. And he says that when you start to follow the Ark of the Covenant, remember what it contains. It is my promise of provision, my promise of grace, my power and my promise of, of leading your life. So follow it whenever you don't know where you're going. Then there was the Ark itself. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence with the Israelites. 
It literally was a fulfillment of what Moses asked God to do in Exodus 33 when he said, Lord, if you send us out of here, don't you dare send us without your presence because how will anybody know that you're with us or how will anybody distinguish us from any other people on the earth unless your presence goes with us? And the Ark of the Covenant was a visible, tangible representation of the presence of God. That's why nobody could touch it or they would die. It represented the holiness of God. And the very fact it was called the Ark of the Covenant itself is that God said, I am making a promise to you. Now, now listen to this. This is interesting. If I make a promise to Dan and I ask uh, Pastor Tim to be the witness, that's pretty good. But let's say I make a promise to Dan and God serves as the witness. What happens when God makes a promise to us? Well, Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that too. When God makes a promise to us, he swears by his own name. I love this. This is incredible. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 to 20 says that when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Verse 16, men swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs. In other words, God wanted to make clear I'm not breaking my word. When he confirmed it with an oath, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. It is not that God does not lie. It is impossible for him to lie. And there is a difference. Choosing not to lie is a choice that is made. God is unable to lie because his nature dictates he cannot lie. So when God says, I promise, Joshua chapter 1, or yeah, Joshua chapter 1, I promise that I'm going to be with you. I promise that I will never forsake you. I promise that as the word of the Lord is meditating in your hearts, I will lead you and I will not forsake you. I promise that you're going to have all this territory. I promise, oh, let's go into some New Testament ones. I promise that if you will confess your sins. I am faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I promise. That whoever receives him, whoever believes in his name, he gives them the right to be called children of God. I promise. Do you not know, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? I promise. You see, as believers, whenever we step into the unknown, God says, follow my promises. Number two, stay surrendered. Keep following my promises. And stay surrendered. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. 
for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Say that with me, would you? Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That word consecrate is such a neat word. Um, it means to commit or dedicate something holy for something holy. W-H-O, holy for something holy or a holy purpose. One of my favorite um, pictures, I asked Pastor Dan to send it to me a few weeks ago. It was a number of years ago, they were doing a prayer walk throughout the church and there were some, uh, um, uh, some of the teens, I think there were some junior hires that came around and they asked for permission to pray over my, my stool. I've got a great picture of it. And I think you asked them why they wanted to do that. And they said, because that's where Pastor Phil preaches. That's where he puts his Bible every week. And so we want to we pray over it. And you know what I love about that? I was thinking about it right before I came up here, is that consecration take something that is really ordinary and makes it extraordinary in purpose when it's given to God. And that's just a stool. But when you consecrate yourself to God, he takes something really ordinary and promises to do something amazing when you're set aside for a holy purpose. Scripture says, do you not know that you've been sanctified, set aside for a holy purpose? When you came into a relationship with Christ, that's what happened. Now the word consecrate also means I'm going to surrender. I'm going to yield. I'm going to give over control. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself aside for a holy purpose to be used by God. Get out of the way. Yield. Surrender. And then trust it means that I'm going to believe that God is going to show up. And I really don't care what you call this. Some people call this sanctification, biblical word. Some people call this lordship. The concept of Lord or Jesus is Lord, that's a very biblical concept. Some people say, well, this is uh, consecration. Some people say this is full surrender. Some people say, well, this is yielding your life. Some people say this is being baptized by the Spirit. Some people say this is being filled with the Spirit. I don't care what you call it. Just get out of the way. It all means the same thing. Get out of the way. I find that sometimes Christians would rather argue over things than just do it. When Jesus was trying to teach this concept, he said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It means be strapped to me and let me lead your life. There you go, be yoked to him. Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, we should stay in step with the Spirit. It means obey the Spirit's promptings. He says we ought to be filled with the Spirit. It means all of Him, none of me, just get out of the way. 
The book of Acts says we are to be baptized in the Spirit. Why? Because you're all in, baby. We've got some folks tonight that are going to walk down at Fort Gratiot Beach. You're going to step into the water. And when we take them under, we're going to take them all the way under and all the way out. It's a representation that they're dying with Christ. But what it really means is you're all in. John says, streams of living water, which represents the Holy Spirit. He said those exact words. He said, you're thirsty, then drink deep. We've never been this way before. Keep following my promises. I'll lead you. I'll be with you. Every day I'll show up. And oh, by the way, stay surrendered. Just keep saying yes to me. I'll do amazing things among you. That's God's launch pad for amazing things. Bottom of your note, uh, note sheet, I used an illustration that I've used, oh, probably a number of times over the years. First time wasn't here. It was way back at a church 20-some years ago, Warsaw, Indiana. God gave me this idea of a consecration check means I'm going to turn over a blank check to God. I put it in my Bible, taped it in there, and left it there ever since. A number of years ago, I, I did the same thing here at Colonial Woods. And the reason I put it on the bottom of your page is that some of you have never seen this before, and some of you have forgot what it means. Now, I don't know how many of you feel comfortable giving a blank check to people. I don't, <laughs> I don't have access to the checkbook in our family. It's not because I couldn't. My wife is in charge of that. So every once in a while when I need a check, I'll go to her like Oliver, you know, please, sir, may I have some more? I'll go to my wife and I'll say, please, Tammy, can I have a check? You know, and she laughs at me. She goes, oh, yes, you can have a check. And she gives me a check and I carry it and I cherish it. And, you know, but she, <laughs> but the reason she gives it to me is she knows, first of all, it was mine anyway, or partly mine. I mean, it's ours. And number two, she knows I'm not going to abuse it because she knows she can trust me. Every once in a while, you may be willing to give a blank check to a family member, maybe. Tim, once in a while I get a blank check from you. I guess because you trust me, maybe. We never give a blank check to Dan. I just no, I'm just kidding. That's not true. He gets it. He gets it. Most of us don't give blank checks to strangers, do we? We don't know them. We don't know what they're going to put in there. But when we give a blank check to God, we're saying, Lord, I trust you. It's yours anyway. And I know you're not going to abuse it, and I know you know what's in the account, and I know that whatever you 
ask of it, you're going to put into the account anyway. So if it's finances, well then it's yours anyway. Here you go. Whatever you want to fill in. If it's my health and future, I can't do a whole lot about it anyway. My life's in your hands. Here you go. I'm going to trust you. It's my children, my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Lord, you love them more than I love them. They're yours. My career, my call, my ministry, or my launching into a ministry. I know that, Lord, whatever you write in there, I can trust you and you'll make sure there's enough to cover it. And I wonder if you could sign that today. I'm not asking for an altar call up here. I'm just simply asking, what does God want you to sign over to Him to give Him a blank check to bear testimony to what He's calling you to? See, I have a, I have a hunch. You already know what it is, and it probably is the very thing you're reluctant to sign over anyway. Keep following his promises. Stay surrendered. God will do amazing things. Father, I thank you this morning. I couldn't help but think when we came to that time of communion of some who perhaps have been reluctant to step across the line of faith. They, they're very attracted to Christianity. They're very attracted to the things of Jesus, but they've never really said yes to you. And for them, this blank check is simply saying yes to you. By the way, what a great reminder of the day you said yes to Jesus to sign this, date it, put it in your Bible or someplace important to you to remind you of the, the decision God is leading you to today. For some of you, you're believers, but you've never really settled lordship you need Jesus as your Savior and you know that, but you've been so reluctant to let him have control. Can I just encourage you? Follow his promises and get out of the way and it's amazing what God can do in your life. Others, over time, you've kind of forgotten a few things, but the Lord's leading you in this moment to just once again claim his promises, surrender yourself, Jesus, we just simply want to say yes to you today. And Lord, we're going to hold to you that whatever it is you have for our future, wherever that's at, you can do the amazing. Love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.